0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Hollywood Breaks. It's uh, good to be with you on this Friday morning. And as always, Keith, good to see you on this Friday morning. I see that you have changed out your background background yes. for us there. Yes.
1: Um, this was probably going to be the, uh, the backdrop moving forward. Uh, unfortunately, we have entered into the wet and chilly fall season here in Philadelphia. So I don't think I'll be outside much longer. But you do get treated to my um, posters. This is uh, the poster from Taken, the original Taken that is behind me. So um, I don't recall the, the, um, the vendor that created this. I believe it was Ignition, but don't quote me on that. But- uh, All right, boom. Well, um, from now a, on,
0: Keith, we have high expectations that you're gonna know who the designer of your, the movie <laughs> posters are.
1: Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> make, uh, next time I'll make sure I do the, the due diligence of getting all the, the data on who designed it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs>
0: Um, uh, what, I love that campaign, by the way, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the quote that's on the poster, obviously a big part of the trailers and the yeah. overall scene.
1: Yeah, well, um, I mean, it was, it was a fun campaign to work on. Um, and once we knew that that speech was um, as, as important and viral as it, as it ended up being, um, it was really just a linchpin for the campaign. It was a really fun one to work on because we also released it on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, or Super Bowl weekend, I should say. And everyone was like, you're nuts. Why would you ever release a male-driven film on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, it turns out people do want to go see movies on Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, go (laughs) figure. So uh, that turned out to be great. We made two other ones after this. And I would argue that we basically redefined Liam Neeson's career because he basically has been remaking Taken. (laughs) That's ten years. Right. So, uh, you know, I take pride in that because, uh, you know, it was a fun movie to work on and, you know, did a lot yeah. of fun
0: okay yeah but, and i love the the way that the the three-part um
1: yeah. series that you do in the commercials like that kind of stuff. Yeah. very very cool yeah that was something that um you know was relatively innovative when it came out so we basically broke up um a 90 second spot into three 30 second spots and it was like daughter gets taken phone call and then sort of like a 30 second with an action montage with liam kicking ass um and it was in the same block so you basically had a commercial and then a bit of the show and then another commercial and a bit of the show and then another commercial. So, you know, our, our head of media at the time, Julie Rieger really kind of worked some magic to get that to happen. And it actually paid off really well for us.
0: Yeah. Imagine that chapters of a movie playing like, yeah. in
1: commercial breaks. Pretty cool. And this, of course, um, about people are actually watching TV.
0: So. Yeah, <laughs> watching which is uh, TV spots. So I swear, it's like the big conversation we're always having is just that the just the distribution is changing so much that even marketing has to change and keep up with it. Yep. And, um, yeah. And yeah, thirty-second spots, as we keep pointing out, really aren't very relevant. Maybe on an HGTV or or a lifetime network or something like that. If you were yeah. releasing some for that demographic, that's still relevant. Mm-hmm. For, but most people's cases were consuming content in so many different areas, especially pandemic, post-pandemic situations. are yeah. all going to change the rules. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think the marketing people, as we keep talking about, have a lot ahead of them. Um, hey, i want to be, uh, as we dive into this week, I actually want to kind of pick up on a small topic first. And then I have this big, bigger kind of question about the, the Disney reorg. Mm-hmm. But, um, um, this week, or I guess recently, I don't know if this week or not, but uh, di- uh, Amazon picked up Coming to America, um, the sequel. The, uh, and they picked it up before it was released. So it's not, this is not a move where uh, Amazon is just like picking up a film and giving it a new audience or a play-out audience for a long mm-hmm. tail. They're actually grabbing a first-run release and putting that on their platform. It's not unusual for them. They've obviously been, been playing this game for a while. But to scoop something up for Paramount, I wonder what that means for Paramount. Do you have a sense of like, is Paramount cash flow crunched? You know, are they just looking to re- release some information? I know they had the their new CEO um, and they're doing some um, new things with the reorg, but uh, there is something happening with Paramount where they've yet again dumped another piece of content to another yeah, platform. I,
1: I, yeah, they uh, most recently they also um, sold Without Remorse, which was a um, Jack, well, not Jack Ryan, but it's Tom Clancy universe film with michael b jordan um they also i believe sold that to amazon as well which strategically makes sense for amazon because they have jack ryan in the show yeah um and then now this which i read some places reportedly was the deal was worth almost 125 million dollars which is just mind-boggling wow yeah um but given all of this i i think a lot of it is uh, some of it is a cash flow i think there might be a cash flow issue i mean obviously Paramount is one of those uh, studios that does not have a um, streaming service at the moment. They have CBS All Access, but it doesn't really fit with the whole Paramount. I mean, they could farm it off, but uh, if they were to do that, then okay, it would make sense. But at the same time, it's like the fact that they sold it to Amazon means that there might be a cash flow problem. You know, Sony, uh, the two studios that sort of don't have the streaming service that they can just dump that got dumped, but moved their releases onto um, are Paramount and Sony. Um, so they yeah. have their Xbox 360 stuff, not Xbox, but um, PlayStation, but they kind of shut that down. Um, so they don't really have anything. So I think the leadership at Sony made a decision early on to just bump everything to 2021, not even try to play the game of let's just keep pushing and see what happens with the pandemic. They pretty much bumped everything to 2021 which means they didn't spend any money. They spent no money on media buys. Everything just got shifted, um, which I think saved them a lot of money in the long run, which is why you don't see them really selling off a lot of their releases. Paramount, however, has sort of been in a re reimagination phase for the last three or four, a rebuilding after post-Brad Gray. Um, and I think what they're trying to do, because right up to Right before the pandemic they were about to release the quiet place 2*, which was going to be a huge hit for them and unfortunately they had to push it um and they spent a bulk of the media so that was something that they had to take into consideration and they had to push top gun 2 to next summer so that was another big movie they were expecting to do quite well so i i think a lot of this is you know we just need a little bit of cash flow to keep us sustained until the, the things could have to quiet down with the pandemic and then, you know, until CBS All Access really rebrands as Paramount Plus, um, which is the plan, I think that's probably then you'll start seeing some of the Paramount movies start shifting over to there. Gosh, I, I didn't really consider I, I like what you're thinking. I didn't really consider how how the
0: strategy played itself out because I do remember the whole top gun maverick um really being pushed before the pandemic. And even part oh, of it, yeah. they were some some strategy not. And I almost like think they lost their bet, right? I mean, they basically pushed that. I know uh, Quiet Place Two saw some uh, posters go, or some billboards going up in Hollywood Boulevard, yeah, um, or Sunset Boulevard um, early on. So a lot of those early gambles they made, this is maybe the repercussions of that. Um, and coming to America Two, I don't, I don't know what the playout was going to be for that. Maybe that's like Bill and Ted's latest thing too. Like there is just some of these films that could fit in a regular film season and kind of make some off-season bets. But yep. as, a, as a full drive people into the movie theater audience, I'm coming to America too, is not gonna be the the new standard for driving people to get into, into the theater again. No, so mean, to ditch all- that earlier, let Amazon buy it, especially if, right. if they're gonna make under 25 million and, yep. and uh, get through the season. Yep, 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 yep. You'd wonder what their uh, overall profits would be after
1: after promotion, anyway, on a film like that, they might have yeah, cleared mean, you know, the assets. I mean, in you here. know that Eddie probably have a Eddie Murphy has a Like I know, I know him personally, Eddie. Yeah, no. <laughs> good old Eddie. Eddie, Eddie Murphy <laughs> and Arsenio. Yeah, Eddie and Arsenio. You know we hang on the weekends. Um, he yeah, he obviously probably has a pretty healthy back end. So I can imagine that they would have to clear quite a healthy box office to even break even. Um, so I think that's partially why you know another reason that kind of drove this sale. Um, again, just sort of cover their, their, their assets a little bit. And, you know, uh, CBS is also a part of Viacom now they've rejoined together. So, you know, the, the drop in sort of advertising revenue is affecting the company as a whole, uh, sure. so think this again, plays into that factor, um, of sort of, you know, we need a little bit of cash to kind of help stabilize things a little bit in this crazy market.
0: Well, um, maybe not the greatest uh, uh, segue from one topic to the other, but it does kind of play together in this idea of Disney's reorg that just happened. I find it so interesting that Disney is kind of playing this, um, playing the cards or separating out the cards in a different way and uh, separating distribution from content, and actually leaving one strategy of the where it's going to play. So if it's going to be theatrical, um, uh, OTT, television channel, whatever their distribution is going to be, is going to be a separate category and the way they restock their, their players and they've their executives is going to give a different priority to the content creators and the distributors. Um, and I would even say probably to the marketers when the things, when all of us said it done, uh, why don't you explain what the deal is and then I'm, I have a question for you about uh, how that's going to affect marketing.
1: Sure. Um, so, um, Bob uh, Chapek, the new CEO of uh, Disney, um, he announced this week that uh, they are basically separating distribution decisions from the content creators. Uh, So he basically created three big content makers. He has the film studios, which is overseen by Alan Bergman and Alan Horn. Um, I guess they call it the general entertainment, which is um, overseen, which is like ABC, 20th Century TV uh, which is overseen by Peter Rice, former 20th Century Fox executive, um, and then ESPN Plus in um, the sports, which is overseen by a gentleman whose name escapes me at the moment, but um, so they are basically going to be, they're just going to create content. And this new like entertainment and media division is basically, which is now headed up by a gentleman by the name of Kareem Daniel, um, is going to really kind of take a look at the landscape and figure out where these pieces can potentially, you know, be monetized the the best. So it really is sep- again. Like I said, it's separating the distribution from the content creation, which is not something that's really happened in the past. Like, it's, you know, speaking from my theatrical experience at 20th Century Fox, distribution was a big part of how our strategy, like day, dating, you know, when you were premiering a first trailer, all that kind of factored into distribution. So. That's all sort of been shifted now towards this new division, um, and I think a lot of this is what the other sort of big players like NBC Universal and Warner Media are starting to do as well. They don't necessarily have a person whose sole charge is to sort of figure out the distribution channels, um, but you know they're making the moves. NBC Universal recently promoted somebody who's going to oversee basically all the advertising and sales. Um, so it's sort of that same model where everything's going to live in one spot versus each little division having their own sort of sales team and all that kind of stuff. So yeah,
0: it's so interesting because um, one, you be almost like you you could obviously you obviously need it and those silos. You always wondered, you know, working in the industry segments that we've worked in, if those silos were beneficial anyway. Right. I remember inside the uh, NBC Universal bubble, they would have this. Um, what they call it—the golden, golden—that's uh, a gold symphony, right? Where every everything from theme parks to the theatrical to television, everything—even their OTT platforms—all had to synchronize within one promotion. But it's a big lift for a studio to have to do that over and over and over again. They go and basically for a year, maybe, maybe one a quarter, right? Um, and this kind of a model you can recognize, like the content makers and the priority of content, really is to get the demographic, the viewership up, right? The demographic um, moving forward to watch the content and obviously commercialize that so they can make the content and sell the tickets, what have you. Um, But then to be able to really create that gold symphony, the gold symphony of the NBC universal world uh, globally across all platforms, all times, right? And to create a different strategy for OTT. by the way, the guy's name is jim James Pataro. is the e s p n yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah. the uh, to to separate out those those silos in in such a way for Disney allows each one to focus on what their demographic is, probably do some uh strategy or or testing or whatever within each of those content platforms but um i I wonder if Disney is recognizing maybe or um hedging their bets for future shutdowns like COVID is doing and saying, well, maybe the economy in the world has changed so much, we have to be on our toes. So we're not gonna lock things down into certain distribution so early Mm. that we can't pivot later on and go go OTT. Because clearly something like Mulan was a a win for them to do that shift. They probably don't wanna play the politics for every movie distribution in the future. If they think like, well, we'll do better on Disney Plus than this, yeah. they don't want to play politics after the fact. They want to make sure it's clear. Yeah, um, and it,
1: it's um, also a relationship issue, I think, in a lot of ways, because, you know, when filmmakers come to the studio, they're they're expecting a theatrical release. And then if they're told midstream, oh, we're going with shipping this Disney Plus, you know, because of the pandemic, it's sort of like, wait, what? So uh, sort of setting that relationship, that expectation up earlier on, I think is going to be helpful as well. And, and Bob also pointed out, um, the CEO, that this is, because everyone was like, well, this is a major re He's like, well, it is, but at the same time, this is not really. I mean, we've kind of been thinking about this and the, the pandemic has kind of forced our hand because viewers and consumers are changing their habits rapidly and we have to respond to that. And they want, I mean, this, this is the age old problem. And as we've been talking about a theme of this, this podcast is basically, you know, all the things that are happening in the industry have been sort of issues that have been around, but the pandemic just forced them to the forefront. And this is a definitely example of that. And I think you can see that, you know, they recognize now that these consumers, and we've been saying this ad nauseum, they want it where they want it, when they want it, and how they want it. And sort of now recognizing that this is the new reality. You can't dictate to people as much as you thought you used to be able to. The theatrical model was holding on to that whole like no no no, we're going to tell you where you have to see it and when you have to see it and how you have to see it. And they were one of the last sort of bastions in the entertainment space that were holding on, like death grip onto that. And now it's sort of they don't have that option anymore. Now they really have to respond <laughs> to where the consumers are. And I think this is Disney's recognition that that is happening. And because they have such recognizable brands, I think they recognize that they they have the the sort of the 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 people in place that can sort of they can separate out the distribution decisions because they have all that information um at their fingertips
0: yeah it's felt like the film distribution has thought of themselves as the top of the food pyramid for so many years that they um, have called all the shots and really the play out and as we've said in the past the deals that people make of the the long tail portion of the, the film distribution. Really you can make all your money up front and then continue to make money on different platforms. Yeah. Um, viewership and viewing platforms now has changed everything. And I have to imagine it's hard for for the movie players to have to shift into such a way of saying, well, I know you want people to go to the theaters, but in reality people are going to watch it on TV first to go to the movie theater to be with their friends and do something else. And the movie theater experience has already changed so much over the years and it's going to have to change now to tip things over. Um, let's talk about marketing. Here, here's, um, here's the observation I'm making. Uh, when we teach Show Launcher at RevThink, what we t- teach is <clears throat> the reverse engineering of content. We tell people, you have to understand why you're making the content, who that content is for, and then the who determines where the, where the distribution is for that content, and then you decide what to make. Yeah. Um, now we we also know like the ideas of content come first, but really like you know what's what's the final cut going to look like what's it going to look like is that, that that last piece right to, to know what the item is um, what Disney seems to be doing is really kind of following that model uh sooner than later too, and just saying where now is becoming more important a bigger player than just the third leg of this uh, the third stage of, of a regular distribution model. Mm-hmm. They're saying, hey, we should have this where conversation. As, so, as, as soon as the conversation is we're saying why we're making it and who we're making it for, we yeah. should be saying where is that early in, in the game. Mm-hmm. And each platform has to have its own where strategy. My hope is is that maybe this does refocus theaters a little bit. And put some information um, out there and some some strategy of how to get people in the theaters because they're going to make some specific content for theaters specifically and yeah. for OTT specifically yeah. and mix them around. Yeah. Um, so that's my observation. The question is: is how does this change marketing? Holy cow! Like, think about all those silos that are now going to have to become like a
1: hub, really, for marketing. Yeah, right? I mean, it 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 that that's my biggest question through all of this: is what does this mean? for the marketing divisions at each of these um, these now content creators, because, you know, back in the day when the studios were sort of the standalones and the the film television studios and they all have their fully robust marketing teams with research and promo people. And now with this sort of new division, um, and he's also going to oversee advertising and sales. um, It seems like that may shift things that marketing might just become one big hub under, Kareem Daniel's division now and, you know, depending on where it ends up going, um, you know, that division will then handle any sort of the marketing materials and you'll just have one hub because in my mind, this sort of, if it's just Kareem's through making the decision of where it goes, you're not really saving a ton of money, which I think in the long run is also a plan, of the way that Disney's looking at this is how do we, how do we capture savings? With this new sort of innovative this new division and one way is you combine all the marketing teams and you basically make one big marketing hub that cuts all the trailers does some of the tv spots because let's be honest you're not doing a lot of tv spots and theatrical campaigns anymore it's really just about the trailer and the other interesting thing is disney plus has a ton of data on all these consumers what they're watching when they're watching, how many, it's a, fa- is it a family? Is it a single subscriber? They have all that information at their fingertips. So that is the, of the, the, immense value right now for yeah. um, creators and distributors is that data and studios have been bending over backwards, trying to figure out a way to how to capture that data. Um, cause you know, you go to a theater and you buy a ticket, you're not capturing any data on that person. You're not capturing their, you know, where they live, how many times they go to the movies. It's just, they're not, you're losing all that. Whereas with the streaming, you get all that data. And Disney has a lot of that data at their fingertips, not just from Disney plus, but the parks. So they have all this data and it's, it's interesting that to see if that's what, where the focus is going to be. I know that the studio themselves have a internal agency or um, I guess you could call it vendor called the hive, which cuts a lot of their material. And one wonders if now the Hive is basically going to be transmitted over to Kareem's group and sort of just start cutting materials for all these content creators and get the creative focus solely on the content creation and not necessarily the marketing and strategy. And all that stuff.
0: Yeah, he's a really know, interesting uh, choice. I'm
1: trying to figure out what, I don't know if that's definitely what's going to happen, but I yeah. think that that's definitely something I think that might be on the immediate horizon.
0: No, and, I, and I'm processing with you because I think the choice of using him, you know, his, his executive um, positions before this were all within the Disney family. I mean, he's, yeah. uh, he basically has climbed the, the Disney ladder. Um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was chief of staff uh, uh, for Bob Iger, I think, like he was in the CEO office for, for right. years but he also like consumer product goods or, and, and games. So I do believe he's, he has like his hands on some kind of data or data source that he knows yeah. how to read and has clearly yeah. marketed well. And yeah. he's, they're leveraging that ability back into the content division.
1: Exactly. And
0: often again, like I feel like those were secondary sources and those secondary sources for now have become primary sources of marketing needs and strategies. And mm-hmm. now they're informing the content creators. If I'm a content creator today, by the way, I have to be thinking about my my show really being a product, right? It's something that is absolutely has to be sold to eyeballs to get certain to get certain results, yeah. and um, and you're not just competing out there with other television shows, other films, even just you know um, other forms of content if it's in the audio and media world. Really, it gets into all of the viewing time that we've talked about. Um, and the, the distractions that viewers have when it comes to just the TikTok videos of the world, mm-hmm. the, uh, game, the games and the billions of hours people are watching in games <clears throat> and what YouTube does uh, to distract viewers into all the different categories as well. The competition has gotten so fierce for people's eyeballs that you can't just be only in one, one discipline of yeah. the industry anymore to do it. I wonder if Disney kind of recognized that in Kareem. He, he's coming from a very different background different eyes and ears. And I would bet some of his years he spent in the CEO office, the chief of staff gave him some sense of what that strategy is and how it plays out in these divisions. Be interesting to see. Uh, I'm gonna guess like if I was, I'm also a trailer editor or running a trailer company today, I'm gonna have to start thinking about um, branching myself out to almost being like an agency, right? Start looking into an agency type strategy on viewership, data, results, measuring those results it can't just be the silly test audiences they used to do in las vegas back in our day they're going to have to start looking at some hardcore data to
1: yeah i mean the the research the the research area is going to have to change completely particularly sort of in a theatrical space because the traditional theatrical way of doing research was you did screenings you had questionnaires you had tracking but sort of that's all going to change now because of the fact that it's not just about theatrical experience anymore it's just not like you have to be able to sort of look at um the data from start to finish in terms of determining where the you know the best place to release it um when to release it and all those things are all going to be come into play and i think to your point i think kareem daniel is going to have access to a lot of that data whereas sort of theatrical researchers can sometimes be just sort of guessing guesswork and looking at the numbers and saying well you know, here's what you need to do. And, you know, well, that doesn't exist in the movie. And it's like, okay, well, then you got to make it up. And it's like, okay, great. That, yeah, <laughs> <you> know, <right.
0: laughs>
1: that, 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 I think those days are kind of like, those days are gone. So I think you're going to see a, a shift in sort of how data is managed and how it's handled and how it's used to basically find the best audience for every piece of content.
0: Yeah, and, and if you're competing with NBC Universal, they obviously have so much information at their exposure. Uh, owning the cable networks and the data structure there, I think these major data players are coming into play. Amazon it's become a content, uh, uh, is it becoming obviously an entertainment partner? They are all about data. There's nothing else that is Amazon yeah. besides data, and uh, Apple TV or the Apple World is coming this way. So I think Google's smart. They're staying out of it because they don't want to be. They want to be hit up as the monopoly that they are. They want to float back to the backside so everyone forgets that they how important they are and all the influence yeah. that they have. Um, and staying out of it. But um, we really are watching, as we were always kind of pointing out these big shifts that are happening. And um, I mean, I'll just say week by week, it's awesome. Whatever we're doing to create content for our show, we don't yeah. have to do much. We just have to no. wait seven days and Disney, seven days and then the world fight. shifts again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I swear we have like a list of things that we wanted to cover and those things keep being pushed back by the next thing that happens in the seven day period. We have to stop stop uh, doing research, just let it come to our doorstep. Yeah. Um, well, very cool. I think that there's an important thing to keep watching as the, as the items play out. I'm curious to see what Paramount's gonna do. I do think there's something happening at Sony. We're gonna watch some merger happen
1: there. But we're also, again, just watching the evolution of these big players. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, there is gonna be an investor day in December. Um the Walt Disney's gonna put on the company's gonna put on a big investor today. And I think that will give us a real peek into how this new structure is gonna work for them and how all these divisions are gonna play and what what's gonna be underneath the Kareem Daniel umbrella and what isn't. So I think that'll be a real eye-opening um presentation for sure. That's really great. Yeah, maybe this is a precursor for that. Yep.
0: Well, Keith, once again, thanks for the the week. Um pay hey, attention to these trends. I know that we're going to get some people coming up soon. What I want is to hear is um, it, your friends from Amazon. I'd love to get them on here because I'm curious on what this strategy is that they're doing. I are holding a breath, can... so <laughs>
1: I'll okay, bust out my old school Rolodex and see what I can find for you. <laughs>
0: Flip through that thing, see if you can find some people. I'd just love to get some inside scoop if there is anything on yeah. how Amazon plays out because their practice. People in the industry know this that their their studio practice is very different. They have they're very efficient in a lot of ways, but then some of these media buys um, seem to have some kind of long tail structure that are different than other studios are looking at. So, um, there's they're doing something very different with their numbers and their strategy internally. It'd be cool to get some some thought leadership in that conversation. I what I can do. All right. <laughs> Well, then uh, again, until next week. Thanks, Keith, for joining us. We'd like to thank Lydia and Ethan for their help and the, um, what they do behind the scenes. Go Social and their team. Thank you for all that you're doing, getting our graphics going. Of course, the team at RevThink for being our supporters and viewers like you. We couldn't do this without you. Um, if you like what you're seeing, please subscribe to this channel. We're going to be making more content in the next few weeks and we'd love for you to be part of it. So subscribe here to get our latest information and content we have going on. Keith and I are working hard behind the scenes. We have a couple of players that and big um, conversations we have coming up in the future. So um, subscribe and, and stay on our um, our email channel um, that way. Uh, Keith, I'll see you next week. Thanks for another great week. Um, and thank you
1: all for watching. And a new poster, woohoo! And a new poster. <laughs>